when, when we spoke to you, we were growing at almost like, I would say 45%, 40 to 45. We're now growing at 55. So it's not a hell of a lot more. It's not like we're doubling in growth, but we are growing more. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Hey folks, my guest today is Alfonso de la Nuez. He's building a tool, you've probably heard of it, called userzoom.com, the experience insight management company that helps businesses gather and manage the insights they need to design and deliver an exceptional digital experience. They've raised over $150 bucks and backed by Silicon Valley investors, Sunstone Capital, and Owl Rock. Alfonso, are you ready to take us to the top? I am. Thank you for having right. me again. So, hey, real quick, for people that missed our last interview from April, where you shared, I believe that you had just passed about an $80 million run rate and 1,000 customers, correct? Correct. Yeah. So, so help me understand, You know, this is a very frothy space, like user feedback in general. How are you positioning yourself? I mean, there's a clue in your bio where you used a very specific word, right? Experience Insights Management Platform. Is that what you're trying to brand and own? Correct. Yes, we are. Um, to be honest with you, experience insights management is, is a little bit of a visionary uh, way of, of positioning ourselves in a, in a market where right now there's a bunch of companies specializing in UX and a bunch of companies specializing in CX. And then there is other companies that are talking about experience management, such as the case of, of Qualtrics. Um, you know, there's Momentive, which is the new uh, Survey Monkey, also pro- providing feedback. There's a lot of survey tools out there. And then there is uh, others like uh, UserZoom, which focuses on the product experience. And um, user research and user experience research uh, usually takes place in the pre-production stages, Nathan, which is when you're kind of in the discovery stage, when you're designing and you're prototyping and you know solutioning, as we like to call it. And then um, you, know, you need some validation and some testing. And, and across all these stages of the life cycle of the product development, product design development life cycle, you want to be in touch with those users before they become customers. Mm. Now, once you become customers, uh, there are multiple ways to measure and track experience. Uh, and so we come in with uh, specific methodologies and metrics uh, that provide more, much more than just a survey, you know, much more than just a feedback mechanism. But you, know, you can also do qualitative research. Uh, you do one-on-one interviews. Uh, you can do unmoderated sessions where you ask them to complete certain tasks, not just questions, but tasks, and we record everything they do. So we combine kind of attitudinal and opinions with behavior data and video. And Is this a marketplace though? Like, can I, as a SaaS tool, pay you to go find people to test my software and you record them testing it, doing an action I asked you to do it? Or are you enabling me to get this data from my customers directly? You can, we, we, our customers use the product as a self-service. So you don't actually need to ask us for anything. We just give you the login and password. And you as a company, you know, you have probably, a, you know, multiple products or properties, digital properties. You can test your properties or you can test any URL, uh, you know, competitors or any other website that is uh, accessible through a web browser. So, so who do you like? If you take off and, and you, you like crush it, like who do you kill? I mean, does Pendo go out of business if you do well? No, in fact, Pendo, uh, funny enough, this very morning, 
you know, we were discussing this, Pendo is a, is a great ally or, or partner because they're very much specialized in product analytics, right? Uh, they do provide feedback, but it's a very simple, you know, feedback, you know, you, do you like it or not? Uh, but their, their core business is analytics, product analytics. That's more specialized in the what's going on. Like what are, we use Pendo, by the way. Uh, our product team uses Pendo and uses user Zoom and a bunch of other tools. Um, but that's more analytics and what's happening, um, the, the, the visits, the uh, monthly active users, like activities that we call cold data. It is very important, but that's different than user research, which is when you actually engage in a conversation and you um, ask people to complete certain tasks and you record everything they're doing. So we're not just saying what, we actually focus a lot more on the why and the how they do what mm -hmm. they do. Yeah. So, so very, very compliments. I mean, very much compliments. You know, it is. It is. It just, it feels so like you feel so close to Pendo and you both feel so close to like Hotjar and Smart Look. I just, I, I wonder why there hasn't been a mass sort of like merger between all. It's happening. Things. Nathan, it's happening. Look, tell Compton me about Square it. Just, well, let me tell you. So, uh, first of all, the, the whole thing, I consider the whole thing this product experience, um, digital experience market, right? I mean, I, I see that as a, as a, digital product cloud and, you know, research insights cloud, you know, that that's the category I can see. Okay. And that's why we call it experience insights management, you know, for digital. Um, there are more of what we call passive insights, which is analytics. Those that, you know, will collect information and, and data, uh, cold data on, on um, you know, once you're live, once the product is live. And then there's others like including user zoom that are more active uh, research platforms. This is when these are, these are products that allow you to connect to, the, to your users and ask questions and probe them and have conversations, right? So one is more analytics, the other is is uh, is uh, user research. And as I said earlier, um, customer experience is all about feedback management and asking people. Once you go live, the other one, uh, uh, user experience research, is more about design and 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 understanding, you know, how to build a, a digital experience, right? A digital product. All of these guys right now, all of these vendors, all of these solutions are, you know, kind of separated. And, and there's a little, there's little categories uh, for each. But what's happening in the market, and I can see it, you know, happening, is that there's going to be convergence. So, for instance, um, Content Square just acquired Hotjar. Uh, I think the news hit this morning, right? Um, then, then you see, um, uh, you know, you, you see qualitative, and, and you see customers. I talk to customers all the time that that think that qualitative and quantitative. They need to be paired up yeah? and, and they don't look at customer experience and user experiences, two different, completely different uh, categories. They actually like to see it as an experience category, right? Uh, you see uh, Qualtrics, which is one of the leaders, if not the leading company is doing, you know, uh, uh, brand research and market research and, and they're also doing product and design research as well. Mm -hmm. um, we offer uh, a whole lot of UX uh, tools, UX uh, solutions for, for user testing and user experience research, but we also offer surveys for more marketers and e-commerce and uh, uh, you know quantitative analysis. So I think what we're seeing is that over time, we're gonna see convergence. We're gonna see um, you know that, that you're not gonna have separate teams working on separate things, but everything is gonna be about the experience that uh, the end users have. Yep. How much revenue do you think Hotjar, uh, Hotjar uh, had? You know, uh, the press release this morning actually didn't say, um, you know, they didn't specify the, the terms of the deal, uh, which kind of leads me to believe that it was a fairly, fairly small deal. I don't know, maybe, maybe wrong, but so don't quote me on that. But, you know, 
clearly under under 100 million like, likely, right? Uh, based on what I knew and the fact that uh, Hotjar was much more focused on SMB, you know, I think they probably were somewhere in the 10 to 20 million is my guess. Were, were you were you looking at the deal at all? No, no, because Hotjar again is analytics. Hotjar would be the 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 basic tool that you need to to understand what's happening with your with your website, right? So, um, you know, you have Google Analytics, you have Pando, you have uh, Hotjar doing some things and some behavior with heat maps as well. So they wanted to kind of kind of take it to the so-called advanced analytics, just you know, a little bit more. But they're not really in the user research uh, space the way we are positioned. Again, you're not having direct conversations with users, and you're not using Hotjar before it goes live, before the product goes live. So that's why we were not looking at people, that. People, people will use you as they're doing product research before they launch the product to do to do testing. In fact, most of the times, most of I the see. times, they'll test with prototypes, with wireframes. That's with a great. Testing. That's a great sort of way to delineate, like pre-product versus post-product. That's exactly how I explained. That's sorry if I didn't explain that more uh, correctly to you or more in detail. Before. I'm just slow. I'm just slow. No, that's okay. But you know, you're not alone. Trust me. I'm telling this story to a lot of people. But actually, the one way to make it very simple to de- delineate or differentiate is that one is a lot more uh, used and dedicated and and and, and um, you know positioned in the pre-production stages versus the post-production stages. That's one way to to look at it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, really interesting. Okay, so when you came on, you're doing about about four or five months ago. You had done about six point five million, I think, in like recognized MRR in April. What are you guys up to now today? Um, we are. I mean, I'll give you the basic the, the, the numbers in terms of run rate and for for the year. I mean, Great. you know, we're looking at clearly uh, surpassing at the eighty million dollar run rate because we grew when when we spoke to you, we were growing at almost like I would say forty five percent, forty to forty five. We're now growing at fifty five. So it's not a hell of a lot more. It's not like we're doubling in growth, but we are growing more. Will you break uh, a hundred million dollar run rate by December? So eight point three million dollars no, in revenue this December. Okay. No, I think we will buy. I think we will. Well, I mean, run rate maybe, but I think we will be actually we will be over hundred million by Q one is what okay. we're anticipating. Yeah, that would be. I, I, I would be surprised if we don't do that. Do you uh, anticipate you, know, we, you getting there by you growing your your ACV above that eighty thousand dollar average, or will you move down market and try and widen your top of funnel more mid market SMBs? Actually, both. Uh, it's a great question, and we're talking about both. We need to do both, by the way. How do so, how do you do both? Aren't those very different paths? Isn't it distracting? Yes, but it's it's what is it's what it takes for, to scale. Uh, you know, we we you know, we want to go public next year. By the way, so that's our target, right? And if you want to go public, you need to show that you're able to grow in both expansion dollars as well as new bookings or new logos. So what we have is a, is a strategy right now, go-to-market strategy that up until now, we've been focusing quite a bit on you know really expanding our current accounts. I mean, we're seeing some, our, our NRR, for instance, I think last time we spoke was 120, we're looking at 125 right now. So you know we're, we're even doing even better in that sense. But we also wanna see more companies come in at the, at, in the you know, kind of in the, in the starting point or the, the low end, you know, at, 12,000 or below per year to come in and start working, you know, maybe doing some, some basic testing and then uh, upgrade them in the future, you know, it's kind of a land and expand strategy. So we want to see, uh, we want to see both of those growing, uh, you know, um, like right away today. Mm-hmm. Walk me through how you're actually practically doing that. Do you set up individual teams to focus on the higher volume, lower ARPU and another set to go drive expansion revenue to your biggest accounts? We do. We do. Walk yeah, me we through actually that. Have how, how, how does it actually look? 
Well, so it's a different uh, it's a different go to market strategy, right? And so what we did is we we have the pricing models, and then we have the different products. In our case, we actually, we actually have even different products. So if you go to our site, you'll see there's a UC Usersion Go, uh, which is the former Validately that we acquired two years ago. This was a very simplified, kind of like a light version of our enterprise account, uh, enterprise uh, solution. And you know it's cheaper, it's more affordable, it's it's easier to use, and it's less feature rich. All those things are are there, and so you know we we use a tech touch approach or semi tech touch approach where we have a, a team of people that will sell that type of, of license and that type of product with a different uh, with the pricing model, right? It's still an annual subscription, so you know we still have you know um, the same uh, in terms of uh, how we engage with customers, but it's going to be the starting point and. We assign a team of people in marketing as well to to work on those uh, on those uh, opportunities, and then we have the enterprise team that works on higher deal, you know, high high value deals, uh, and they often work together. Of course, I mean we're seeing that's actually one of the things that I like the most about, and our CRO speaks about this. We talk about an escalator, right? And we see that we have a lot of companies that are started in UCGO are actually moving up because they're maturing, or they want more, or they want you know more capabilities, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and you mentioned last time you had fifty quota carrying reps. What what is their quota annually right now? Like most of the reps, I'm sure there are some that are just starting where their quota is smaller. But when they're at full capacity, what is the quota target? Uh, I think we're at one point four. One point four, interesting. So, uh, somewhere around that, yeah. Pat, and how do you handle? giving your CSMs, your customer success managers, a book of business? Do you give them like a million and say you're responsible for hitting 25% expansion in this? Or how do you do that? Yeah, very good question. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll answer the question telling you where we came from and how we're doing it now, right? So uh, we used to have a leader in customer success and a leader in sales for new for new sales, right? And they were both reporting to me. And to be honest, they, they tried really hard, uh, but they didn't really work that well. Uh, the retention wasn't where I wanted it to be, and they didn't talk to each other that much. Keep in mind that most of our business is high-end, high-value, high-touch, okay? So what we discovered is that the CSM, you know, is more like an account manager um, and work and should work together with the account executive that sells the deal and should be you know, kind of like in the same team. Mm. Um, I felt like what we needed there is a consultant. We called them research, we called them research partners to come in and help them in the more of a domain expertise and advisory work. So we call this two in a box, the sales guys and the experts. And that's how we set up the, the accounts. Now, we used to have a separate and it didn't work. Now we have it. Everybody's reporting to the CRO. Um, there's account managers that have a quota and they have a book of business and they're responsible for that. They work together with the account executive. And you know, obviously their quota, the, account, the account managers are quota carrying uh, and the account executive is responsible for the expansion uh, dollars, uh, but they work under the same uh, leader and same culture, same everything. They're not separate teams. Interesting. Talk to me about capital. Have you raised? I lost you. Are you mute? Oh nope. Can you still hear me? Can you hear me now? I'm not I believe, hearing you now. Nathan. I believe your AirPods. I think your AirPods died. We'll keep we'll keep shooting this. Let's see if I can get you back. Hold on. While while Alfonso is doing that, guys, um, as they prepare for IPO, I'm curious. When he came on last time, he said they raised about 100 million bucks at a 500 million dollar valuation uh, from uh, their new partners, private equity firm. He's working on the audio right now. <laughs> can you hear me now? I can hear you now. What, yeah, what? yeah. 
Sometimes if AirPods die in the middle of an interview, that happens. No big deal. But my question to you is going to be capitalization wise, is the last $100 million you raised, do you think that's the last you'll need to raise pre-IPO or, or we should we expect another round from you in the next six months? One of the things that we did uh, in this last few months since we spoke to you is actually generate more, more profit, more, more EBITDA than we needed or we wanted. Uh, the reason why is because it's hard to hire, you know, and it's hard to, to, uh, uh, to hire at the speed that we want. So we actually have more cash than we than we need, or that not that we need, but we that we expected, uh, you know. And we are we foresee uh, not needing any additional rounds. Okay, okay. Of that hundred million, how much went on the balance sheet? I know a lot of it was secondary. Yeah, I can. I, I know we talked about it a little bit. I can't comment though. Okay, uh, that's you know, okay. Yeah, some of it was, but uh, I can't comment on the details. Sorry. Tell me more. Like, I'm always curious when founders are preparing to go public. You know, you look at Henry Shuck, who is able to keep about 10% of Zoom info. There's others like Aaron at Box, he only owned like 2%, right? So, and then there's some like Eric at one at Zoom who owned 35%, 40%. You sold, I believe, the majority of the business back in 2015 when you did the $34 million round out of 50 million valuation. How much equity do you still own? And how do you keep your team incentivized with the extra pet partners, financial partners? Yeah, so I, I can't comment on the very details, but I can tell you that between between the management team, you know, there's plenty of equity there, right? Still to to really, you know, be a, a, a home run here, right? I mean, the two founders, for instance, you know, together, you know, almost ten percent. We okay. have a couple. I mean, there's there's plenty out there uh, still, and um, you know, I mean, with the right valuation, we could all make uh, some good money. Mm-hmm. So, so remind me too. So, you you were not one of the founders. You came in a little bit later. Are you also at around ten percent, or are you less than them? No, no. I, I'm one of the founders. Okay. One of I the so. co- the other co CEO that I have with me, Dan Fishback. He's not a founder. He came in later. He came in in 2015 together with the investor with a uh, private equity firm. Private equities, you know, sometimes they use this model. Some use this model, right? Where some you know first time CEO like myself, you know, are provided someone to help them. Um, and in this case, we, you know, we gave Dan quite a bit of stock um, to help with this, and uh, it's worked out really well because he's brought up, he's brought a ton of value to the business. Did Sunstone keep any, or did Our Rock buy out all of Sunstone? No, no. Uh, Sunstone went uh, from a majority to a minority, but they have they still act actually the biggest uh, shareholder. Uh, Sunstone is still the biggest shareholder on just on a pure basis. It just went down in terms of the majority to less than 50%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, I'm I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but these will sort of be representative. What you're saying is like Sunstone might still own 40-ish percent, which is down from 60% because they sold 20 to Alrock. Alrock exactly. now owns maybe a total of 30. So they own 70 and then the management team and you guys still own like 30, something like that. The management, yeah, the two investors together own close to about 65%. And then okay, the rest fair. is the top management team and employees. Yeah. Is any of that still an employee stock option pool that's unallocated? Where are you going to be bringing on more talent before IPO? Uh, the only talent that we're thinking right now in terms of uh, uh, you know management team is it, uh, it's a CMO. CMO, interesting. So you'll stick with your same whoever your CFO is right now. They'll they'll take you through IPO. You think? Yes, very much so. The CFO was one of the hires, one of the new hires this year, and he's a rock star. Amazing. All right. Anything you want to t- touch on, Alfonso, that I missed before we wrap up? No, that's it. Experience insights, man. That's, that's uh, what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's wrap up here. Famous five. Number one, favorite book. All right, last time we spoke, I gave you uh, Good, Good to, to Great. great. Uh, I actually have to talk about Sapiens. Um, different than business books you know, that I really like to read. I'm reading Working Backwards right now. But Sapiens is a history of humankind. Tremendous. Tremendous. 
Number two, Alfonso, is there a CEO you're following or studying? I gave you Richard Branson last time, um, you know, and I have so many that I follow. Uh, Are you following Girish at Fresh uh, Fresh Books by chance? Do you think they're overbooked or, or Fresh Works? Sorry, do you think they're overvalued or undervalued on their on the IPO day? S one. Not following. I'm sorry. Okay. Not following them. No, you know, um, I would say that uh, you know I, I like I like what Ryan Smith did with Qualtrics. I mean, he's no longer the CEO. But I, I, I admire what he did very much. You know, he also bootstrapped the business. So I would say that he's another guy that I admire. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building a business? I told you about userism already. Besides your own, yeah. Yeah, but um, uh, who do you use to manage your team in your hiring? You got so many. I mean, we're looking for, for hiring. You mean for for HR? Yeah, uh, HR stuff. Do you use like remote.com or anything like that? Uh, we're using Namely and we're using Workable and a lot of these. It's kind of hard for me to pick one. I mean, I have to say that, that you know, I, I just love to use G, you know, uh, Google Apps. I mean, Google Apps, I just keep getting impressed on how well designed they are and how they work on UX. Yeah. And they're also a great customer. So <laughs> uh, there you go. There you go. All right. Uh, and how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Yeah, I told you about six last time. Um, I still have, I'm at six, but you know I'm trying to get seven at least. <laughs> That's good. And still married with two kids? Yes, very much so. We're we're having fun. Did you have a birthday, or you're still 48? Um, yeah, my birthday's on February, so uh, I'm still 48. All right, very cool. And uh, last thing, you talked about culture being more important than strategy as 20 year old advice. Last time, anything else you'd recommend to your 20 year old self? You know, I, I would stick to that because we're seeing how, you know, through this whole pandemic and what everything that's going on in the world, uh, how important this culture has been, you know. So I think that I would say um, I would say stick to culture, um, you know, as, a, as an advice, um, you know, and uh, from a leadership perspective, you know, define define your leadership culture not just your general company culture but your leadership culture I, i'm learning a lot from the working backwards book on leadership from jeff bezos guys here have about alfonso from user zoom they're hoping to ipo next year hoping to break 100 million dollar run rate in q1 next year they call it around 75 80 right now with a healthy 40 50 percent year over year growth rate they want to define and own the experience insights management space this really means you can start using them even pre-product when you're trying to figure out what to build next along with after you build it, making sure you are fine and build the product that customers want. Alfonso, thank you for taking us to the top. Thank you for having me. Have a good one.